0: Hi there. I'm very excited about my guest. But before I get to my guest, I have a little message from our sponsor. Hi there, Sam Sorbo here. You've heard me say that if you send your kids to school, you're allowing the Internet access to them. When you give your child a phone, you're not giving them access to the Internet. You're giving the Internet access to them. But there's a way that you can mitigate for the dangers that that implies. And that is with the Canopy app. Uh, I've talked to the people at this company and they have your child's best interests at heart. They screen images that come through on the phone and they blur out the sections that you don't want your kid to see. They actually can in real time prevent sexting and other things that happen with phones. And so I would encourage you to take a look at Canopy and uh, use the code Sam at checkout for a special discount. Uh, go over to canopy.com, take a look at canopy, use my code Sam at discount and, um, uh, and then get back to me and tell me how much you love it. Thanks so much. Bye. Hi there, Sam Sorbo here. And I'm joined now by the truthful therapist, Pamela Garfield Jager is, uh, she's a therapist. She's actually fighting the left regarding the transgender agenda. She's also appearing now in the film Gender Transformation, and she's written a parent's guide to mental health to empower parents to fight the woke ideology in mental health and also help them find a good therapist who won't indoctrinate their children. I don't know if you realize how dangerous it is out there right now for parents and for their children because of the woke agenda that has infected the therapy. The therapist community, the therapeutic community, so to speak. So, welcome uh, to the show right now, Pamela Jager Garfield. Thank you. Or Garfield Jager. Whoops. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> welcome to the show.
1: <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I usually say it's Garfield like the cat <laughs> that helps right. people remember.
0: But Jager thank you for Jager's me. tough, right? Garfield Jager. I love yeah. the hyphenated name.
1: That's my so yeah, I did the hyphenated thing when I got married.
0: I'm not sure if I should have or not. <laughs> Oh you know it doesn't matter now you you are who you are
1: yeah you're in the process so.
0: of writing a book you've got this um you've got the website uh, the truthfultherapist.org for people who are maybe struggling through this i just heard a, yet another interview about this kind of thing with uh, another gal who's in this fight it it's um it's a tremendous fight to be involved in When you're on the side of truth and the lies are so pervasive. Talk to us about that. How did you get involved in this fight and what has it meant to you sort of in your personal life, in your professional life? How how has your life changed since you've become involved?
1: Well, I think I had my big awakening, I think like a lot of people in 2020. Um, What sort of woke me up to the evils of the left or the problems of the left was the whole response to George Floyd and all of those riots, the you know mostly peaceful riots that we had across our country and how everyone was in lockstep with those black squares and how my people who I thought were my friends responded to that when I just started to ask questions. And um, just, I didn't understand even if this was a terrible incident, how that meant our entire country was racist. And that that sort of snowballed into just all of the things that I think we're all fighting here, and mostly um, the attack on children. So I I woke up to it. Then obviously we all went through COVID, and different people had different responses to COVID. So my response to COVID initially actually wasn't. Two was pretty mild until i really recognized just like you just said how many lies we were surrounded by just constantly so I live in California which is was the worst of the worst to be in in COVID in the United States and just the constant lies the constant signs how everything all these things masks vaccines everything saves lives And none of it saved any lives. Um, At least it wasn't proven. So I just just couldn't stand how we were just surrounded by all of these lies. And so what happened was I was actually on this disability, came back to work finally after several years. And it was my big comeback. I only could work part-time because I actually still have some chronic pain. I can't work a full-time caseload. I finally got back. It was really important to me. And then... And the end of as a 20- as a
0: sorry to break in but as mm-hmm. a clinical psychiatrist psychologist
1: yeah so it was in a it was in a hospital setting for group therapy for it was I was sort of a float I was a per diem they call it which is basically I was filling in shifts so I was working about two days a week for adults and teens in a a group therapy program. It's called IOP and PHP. So that stands for Partial Hospitalization Program or Individualized Outpatient Program. And And those are basically-
0: What was the subject matter of your group therapy sessions?
1: So it's for people with severe mental illness, people who are struggling with different types of mental illness, usually depression, anxiety, sometimes bipolar disorders, sometimes schizophrenia, um, you know, all different types of mental health issues. And it's, it's a program that it, they have these programs across the country where it, you go, usually when you go to the hospital and you are hospitalized for usually a suicide attempt or some kind of uh, mental instability once you're discharged, and you still need to be monitored by doctors, you still need therapy, you still need to learn how, you know, how to just build some coping skills, that sort of thing, and maybe even build a community and continue having some structure so you don't slip back into the old patterns, you go to this group therapy program for a couple of weeks. It used to be actually it used to go on for months, but of course insurance and whatever, they've, they've tailored it down to now. Usually people do it about four or five weeks it depends on the person and their the severity of their symptoms so it's basically a step-down program from being hospitalized for a mental health issue but none of and this so, was
0: gender related
1: not at all no um so you know i i honestly was never a gender therapist which i, I realize that's why i'm probably saner than exactly than <laughs> i wasn't a gender therapist i was somebody that worked it, just with people with severe mental illness. And I also have a lot of experience working in schools before that. So um, so I I've, most of my career vacillated between either working in schools or working in these types of clinics. So yeah, I got back to work after this big disability, like a big gap in my, like big gap about three, four years in my profession, basically that was the year that like, it was 2000, the end of 2016 when I had to drop out. So like when Trump was president and I think when our country really became more divided, I really wasn't paying attention to any of that. I've never been political in my life. Um, Maybe what you call a neoconservative
0: now, like I wasn't conservative in the past. Um, You weren't conservative, but you see what the left is doing. You go, "Uh, I don't want any of that crap. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was never really politically involved. I wasn't, I honestly, was just kind of, I was one of those, what do they call it, NPCs. I was asleep. I just. I was just living my oh. life. I was, I mean, I was awake to a lot of the problems in terms of mental health because I was a social worker. So I, I'm aware of what was happening in the foster care system. I was aware of what's happening, you know, in families and that sort of thing. But in terms of like the government and corruption and what politicians were doing and, um, those sorts of things. I, I definitely, I not was never aware of what, how economics worked. I mean, I was one
0: of those people. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Yeah, I get it and so more.
0: 2020 came
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you started to go, wait a minute, the, the whole medical community seems to be somewhat compromised because they're not behaving scientifically?
1: Yeah, and all the censorship, I was watching people get censored I was watching myself get censored. I had this. Yeah. I mean, I was just, so I have this condition. It's called thoracic outlet syndrome, which basically means my nerves were crushed between my collarbone and my first rib. And I have this really crazy surgery where I had my top rib removed and it basically like saved me. And, um, I'm on this online chat room where other people with my condition, other people who had this surgery got the vaccine and they were posting about all, all the horrible effects that they were suffering from. And I just posted, you know, scratching out their names, I posted their experiences. I got so heavily shadow banned just from, from posting what people were going through who have my condition and the reasons why I was hesitant on taking the vaccine. And that, I mean, that's just one example. There's plenty more.
0: Right. So then, so, so you're starting to wake up. So I'm piecing this Mm -hmm. together, right? Your, your, your journey. Because we still haven't gotten to gender ideology.
1: Yeah, it wasn't even gender. It wasn't even my first awakening. I mean, it was first racism, then it was COVID and the medical establishment, which that was pieced together, too, when I went through my own personal odyssey, just because I didn't trust doctors because they didn't listen to me for several years because I had this rare, obscure condition. So they just thought it was in my head. They put me on antidepressants, which was a complete wrong thing. I wasn't depressed. In fact, I ironically couldn't even get insurance to pay for my therapy because I wasn't depressed enough, but they had me antidepressants and I couldn't get off like I had to struggle to wean off of them which I have done but it was a, it was a challenge wow. just because like my I got dependent on them like whenever I would get past a certain low dose I would just start crying all the time for no reason which was not a part of my patterns just because of the medication so I went through so many doctors not listening to me not believing me just saying it's in my head um, I'm just avoiding life and um, these were both men and women so it's not even about like the 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 genders of the doctors. It was just the system until I finally figured out what I was going through and found a specialist. And then it, it was confirmed what I had and it, you know, that, so that already got me to not trust the doctors. And that's really what got me hesitant to take this new vaccine.
0: Well, when they're, when, when they are suppressing your, your free speech in sharing other people's bad experiences, Uh, in a system that you already, you know, are skeptical about. And Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, they're they're shutting you down and telling you shut up about that. Stop talking about it. It it does necessarily, I would say, provoke a reaction in you. Like, wait a minute. You're telling me that this isn't true. Are you calling me a liar? I'm not a liar. This is absolutely true. This is what people are saying, you know. And so that obviously puts you on your on your on the defensive or on the offensive, perhaps. But when did you so keep going in the story because we want to get to the gender idea? Yeah, there's so much. Help some people today.
1: Sure. And, and then, of course, there's all the lockdowns. And then I was just watching. You know, I've worked in schools for so many years. I've worked with kids who have struggled mentally for so many years. I've worked with families where, you know, who are struggle with abuse and, and all these different things. And to think about, I, I still can't wrap my head around what really happened during those lockdowns and to and the deafening silence from my profession and from everyone really about it. And of course, we know there was a group of people, the Barrington Declaration. Is that what yes. they were called? Yes. Um, they, you know, they spoke out about it, but they were heavily silenced. So just watching all of this un- unfold. Yeah, that was a big you part. you have to of understand
0: as a as a therapist who has worked with young people in institutions, in school institutions, mm-hmm. to see the institutions lock these kids out mm-hmm. and upend their lives to this degree. And you're perceiving it from the point of view of somebody who understands how these kids, uh, you know, get help with their conditions. Uh, and the schools are just cutting them off. That must have struck you as just so completely inhumane. In completely sense,
1: right? and I was still on disability at the time I felt so helpless I felt so powerless like I'm not even working I can't even talk to my colleagues about what's going on because I was still mm. sort of stuck at home mm. um, so it, yeah it was a horrible experience to watch this go down and yeah I mean it used to be when I was working at a school we'd have a holiday weekend that was disruptive we'd always have more kids having crises that the day before the holiday weekend and when we came back from the holiday weekend. So I I seriously can't wrap my head around what went down during the lockdowns.
0: Well, of course you can. It it, it showed that they had no care for the individual students. They were serving themselves. That's really what the lockdowns showed. Uh, And they were serving a higher power that wanted the lockdowns and, uh, you know, damn the children. Uh, and uh, which is very sad. But let me talk to you just briefly about this. this idea that um even a three day uh, weekend was disruptive to students. Can you give me some kind of an example of what a child uh, might go through? Uh, what 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 the prevailing condition might have been and and therefore what the response would be? because there may be people listening right now whose children react to three-day weekends, they don't understand what's going on. Perhaps the child hasn't been diagnosed with anything. Perhaps it's a mild enough condition, but the three-day weekend sets it off. And so these parents are struggling because they don't, you know, the three-day weekend is a thing. And they're like, what's the big whoop? You get three days, don't you? Aren't you happy with a day off from school? So can you walk us through something like that? Yeah, I mean,
1: certain kids, not all kids, as you know, um, they really need that structure. And whenever their structure is disrupted, that often sets off some kind of mental health issues or behavioral issues, we'll say. And um, a lot of them, like I live in in the Bay Area of California. There's a lot of anxiety here. A lot of, a, it's just so that there were a lot of kids who had a high, high anxiety when the long weekend would come. And we would be for different reasons. I mean, it wasn't usually because the family was going to beat them or something. I think that's the the narrative out there. But it was often just about losing that structure that they normally had or just you know, having to transitions were difficult for these kids. Right, So Not
0: knowing what to do with that day that all of a sudden just appeared yeah. out of nowhere. Exactly. So you know, it's hard for it's hard for fully how do we how do we put it? Well, well adjusted people say, well adjusted people to understand uh, especially for a juvenile, for a mind that's not completely formed, for somebody who doesn't understand that there is order in the world. Um, and to them, the world just seems quite chaotic. And then it gets up, it, it goes through upheaval, you know, just just sporadically, like here's an extra day. You figure out what to do with it. And they struggle with that, right? Yes, for sure. I mean, kids need structure.
1: What would be um, the it's...
0: solution there?
1: I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the, on the kid okay, and what they're going Okay, speaking very through. generally. Yeah, so,
0: it's really hard. Um, if I say this, if I say, uh, if you know that your child um, is, is perturbed or disoriented in some way about uh, a day off from school, could you as the parent, say, hey, you have a day off from school, I think we really should go to the zoo.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps to plans, set up activities for right? sure. Yeah, make,
0: make some kind of a plan so that at least they have that to to cling to. So there's a there's a little bit of a replacement.
1: Mm-hmm. It depends on the kids because you know one it's I'm saying this where kids need all the structure and adults should create that, and at the same time sometimes I'm frustrated with how much structure adults are kind of imposing on kids, and they don't learn how to just play naturally. So I oh, know you're really now depends. you're feeding
0: me like that's my whole <laughs> thing is kids don't need structure, but. But they do some kids do some kids really yeah. thrive on structure. that means that you as a parent should provide that structure because mm-hmm. that's your job, right and and oftentimes, if that's the case and the school provides it, uh you know, the parents consider it a win-win. I don't because I'm not pro school, but um but sure, fine, right that that's that's the provision there. Mm-hmm. And then there are kids who really don't want structure and to them, a day off from school is like, hallelujah, you know. <laughs> it's the best thing ever exactly Yeah. and so. it depends
1: too because i mean unfortunately a lot of kids their homes are chaotic so they're going they're going to be spending right. time in a chaotic home where there might be some i don't know if i'm gonna call it domestic violence but like fighting at home or just a lot of chaos so that, right. so that they would naturally prefer reason.
0: the the organized chaos of the school the yeah. you know structure of the school okay exactly. so um, so we so now we're at the point in your life where you're saying, wow, the schools really don't have the kids best interests at heart. And then what happens?
1: Yeah, so I'm horrified. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I actually was going to some protests, holding up signs um, to a few to a few rallies in the area. Interestingly enough, here in California, that was during the recall Gavin Newsom campaign. Um, so I did get active in that. Because and mainly for my main reason was because of the lockdowns and the COVID response. There are so many other reasons, quite frankly, but that was the one that really got me, my, you know, got me going. And uh, I was out with on these rallies with these parents who and trying to get them to sign for the petition. And some of them were like, "No, I'm not ready to sign that," even though they were out there with their signs, really angry that their kids weren't in school anymore. So I was frustrated with how people couldn't connect those dots. Um, so yeah, I was out on all that stuff. So yeah, that that was part of the journey. But yeah, what what, what tripped me to, I guess, get in, in really actively involved and I guess be more public was when I was at that job, they did end up firing me because I was a healthcare worker, um, because I chose not to get the COVID vaccine due to all the health issues that I had. And uh, I could not get an exemption. California basically put a stronghold on any doctor to be able to write a medical exemption. I'd already checked medical exemption initially on the HR form. I'm quite frankly, I'm not personally that religious. I guess I could have lied, but I didn't and I couldn't get an exemption. And so I was taken out of my job right before getting a really good review. (laughs) But uh, no. that's what emboldened me to speak out. So I, at first I was devastated. Honestly, I went through a little depression. My cat had died around the same time. I had actually just recovered from COVID. I basically had COVID, was fine, but you know, sick and then learned about the mandate, lost my job. So that whole, you know, the end of 2021 was a tough, tough time. And then I realized, well, wait a second, this is my opportunity. I'm uncancelable. I, they already canceled me. And I, you know, I still, I can't work a full-time anyway. I have a lot less to lose. I know that my colleagues, ha, you know, they have a lot, they have to maintain their livelihood. Luckily I, you know, I have other sources of income, so I didn't have to, I don't have to rely on a full-time job. So I could just put myself out there. And that's how I became the truthful therapist.
0: Okay. So you didn't start with gender transformation. You start. you just started being truthful about what was happening in our culture today, yeah. our society.
1: So what I, and the, the gender thing came up because when I was working at that program, I was completely shocked. Things were so different from when I had just been, had been off disability, like from two, the, from the years, 2017 to the years, 2021, things had so drastically changed. So I actually called myself Rip Van therapist, you know, like, like Rip Van right, Winkle. Because, right,
0: you, you were, you, you were asleep and then you woke up and it was completely mm-hmm. different, but what had changed
1: so at this program, I was working with the teens and the adults. The adults were very similar to how they were before, but the teens, half the girls were identifying as trans, half of them. And what was wild was not just that the kids were doing it, but that the adults were really playing into it like hundred percent and not even questioning the adults in
0: terms of the, the therapist team mm-hmm. or the, ad- yeah.
1: Yes. The therapist team, right? Some parents were, some parents weren't. I'm not sure if that's what you're about to ask. Yeah, yeah well,
0: I was curious because you've got the adults who are in the sessions, right? They're, they're patients. But then you've got the adults that are running the show, so to speak. And then you've got the parents. So and the parents were 50-50 also, basically.
1: Yeah, I depend on the parents. I think most parents I so because I was just a per diem, I wasn't I didn't wasn't privy to meeting or talking to all the families. I was just sort of running the groups. So I did get to talk to a, a handful of parents and families or sometimes I would sort of hear about it secondhand during the case reviews, and and I was shocked again about how the therapist would describe the parents as being so unaccepting. One uh, family they described as mismatched. The parents were mismatched from their from their child because they didn't understand wow. her. Wow, uh, it wasn't her. Okay, there, hold though. on, we got to park them. there for
0: just a minute. Yeah. So a therapist is allowed to determine that the parents are mismatched because they're not tolerant. That's and it. That's where, so I wanna to talk to you about AB 665.
1: Yes, which I okay. testified for, I don't know if you know that. Yeah, I so that, was, that was the beginning
0: of this. So there's a California bill that is the parent parental rights stripping bill yeah. called AB 665. Uh, so talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, um, some people are calling it like the state-sanctioned kidnapping bill. Yeah. Basically. So here in California already, since 2011, I believe, ki- kids age 12 and up can actually go to therapy without parental consent. That's been for over 10 years. And that's how a lot of schools were doing therapy without parental consent. And that's so one of the dangers.
0: The is it subsidized?
1: Yeah. So I, this is, I was actually working for one of these agencies. However, I just want to say we got parental consent almost every time we worked hard to get parental consent. And when we didn't get parental consent, we didn't work with the, we don't work with the child. It was a very, a very rare exception where we went at that time I worked with the schools where we did it without parental consent, consent. but I believe nowadays that's not the case. Now, um, hold on.
0: Cause there's, there are two different forms of withholding parental consent. There's the parents not knowing and not consenting. But there's also the parents saying over my dead body, no, no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So which one are we talking about?
1: Well, when I was working, when they said over my dead body, we didn't do it. Right. <laughs> um, I, I think the only time we would do it, we do very temporarily. If there was a safety concern, we would do a suicidal assessment. And then tell. we would contact the family, tell them your child is, we are very concerned about their safety and we would encourage them to get them help so that we did that, those sorts of things but we didn't do ongoing therapy also the time i was working at the school i stopped i the last time i worked in a school in 2015 2016 this whole trans thing was was really not a big deal it wasn't right it so wasn't you're talking widespread. more
0: about suicide uh, uh dark thoughts depression those kinds yeah. of things with the kids I actually now, was
1: working at a school where there was a suicide cluster at the time. And it, it was it was national news. This is in Palo Alto, California. It was, it was what is a high suicide school. cluster? That's where, I don't know what constitutes a cluster, but they called it a cluster. There were six kids that died by suicide within the same year at the same school. Six children ages? High school age, 12 to
0: wow. 17.
1: Yeah, Wow.
0: there's a train nearby and schools, we don't even consider that it could possibly stem from the school environment.
1: Oh, they blame the school big time. (laughs) They They did. did. Yeah, there was a lot of blame floating around. It was very sensationalized. Um, I think it was very complex and the school was one piece of it, but I think, honestly, I think it's multifaceted, but for sure, the school got blamed because this was a school that was very high achieving and there's a lot of pressure. This is Silicon Valley. We're talking about, this is a school right across from Stanford university. Um, so that a lot of that, the high achieving stuff was, was blamed, you know, the, the, the high academic pressure. Yeah, But,
0: okay. So I have a theory that we, um, we personalize failure but we institutionalize success
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the point here would be oh that school is bad because they had suicides and so maybe some people blame the school but but institutionally we're not saying oh schools are dangerous for children
1: yeah because,
0: was- right we 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 tend to say oh all of the successes that we see from from any kind of educational standpoint, that's because of the schools. In general, school's good. But any negative things that we see, we we tend to focus on a particular school.
1: Yeah, for sure. This was blamed on this particular school. In fact, there's another school across town, they call it Pali, Palo Alto High School. And they didn't have, they still had a lot of mental health struggles, but they didn't have the same suicide. So Pally wasn't blamed quite as much. But yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Really, it's it's the entire institution, right, that needs to be questioned. And again, before COVID,
0: those are things that I wasn't awake to. Now I'm
1: clearly very awake to. Um,
0: right uh, by the way, if you want to see the film Gender Transformation, you go to gendertransformation.com. Tell us about the film briefly.
1: Okay, but I never answered about the AB665, we got sidetracked. Today well, I don't, want
0: to get, I don't want to get sidetracked from that. Go back to that. State <laughs> so Sanctioned Kidnapping Bill. The State
1: Sanctioned Kidnapping Bill. So I'll just say quickly, basically what it is, is it's allowing kids 12 and up to be able to be referred to or go to a residential treatment program without parental consent so a kid can go to school and say that they're having problems whatever they are and now a school social worker or a school counselor can say oh would you like to take a little break from home and go to this group home instead and the kid can say yes and then basically the parent has to fight to get the kid back um, and so that's that is what is on the table and it's it's at, i think it's at its last point before it gets uh, approved by our governor so it looks like it is pretty likely to go through which is quite scary and it actually does connect with the film so the theme of the film the story that it tells did you see it i have not watched it it? okay so it tells it's a docudrama and so what it does is it, it has people speak it i'm one of the people that speaks in it as an expert but there's plenty of people that speak in it and one of them is a mom her name is abigail martinez and her story is honestly really tragic um, she had a daughter, a teenager named Yaeli, and Yaeli got basically caught up in the gender ideology, and she ended up running away from home because she was groomed. And they, when the state found her and said, oh, we found her, we know where she is, whatever, they put her in a group home instead of sending her back home because she was groomed to tell the state authorities that her mom was a be- her mom was abusive, which was not true, but the groomers had her do that because she was so entrenched in this cult. And instead of them doing the proper assessments and recognizing that what was really going on, um, Yelly ended up in this group home. And I don't know if I should give away the end, but unfortunately it's a tragic ending. Um, So the AB 665 is so relevant to what this, the story that this film conveys, which is basically, we need to take much more power away from the state and children need their loving families
0: well we've 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 strayed so far from the yeah. mark with in just from our understanding of what family should be um i i fervently believe that we've destroyed the family via the schools that that's one of the main purposes of school is to take the child out of the family and thereby basically destroy f- family relationships. And even good, strong families have strained relationships now because there's there's very little in terms of uh, relationship to be had when you don't spend any time with each other. True. Right. And, and now yeah, with social and, media and all the sports and and everything. all of the other stuff, it's um, you know, it's not that you can't do it. It's just that it's very diluted. And so, if there's any kind of strain, the dilution that's already happened within the family will allow that strain to become more powerful. and the 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 more strained the relationship, the the less opportunity you'll have to have relationship. It'll just go go by the wayside. And now, of course, with this bill, uh, in California, and of course, ca- as California goes, so goes the nation uh, to a large degree. When you have this this bill in California, um, you're going to you're going to be taking children away from you're going to destroy families even more. Right. I mean,
1: it's also a way to really enable like sex trafficking and just put kids in a more dangerous, vulnerable situation, because because, of course, they're not going to group homes are not safe. I actually worked in group homes several years ago, back in like era 2008, 2009. I mean, the counselors were not well trained. It's not well staffed. It's not well funded. It's it's a, it's a terrible environment. It's really the last resort, and it's, we've always believed that at the time. And now they're just sending them there willy nilly. Um, and to your point about schools, not only is it of course because they're not spending time with their families, but of course we know that these schools now have become like indoctrination camps. And the one of my pieces in the school is in the movie is I'm talking about how. There are now many of these secret LGBTQ groups in schools. And that is actually how Yeli, the girl in the film, got groomed. That's one of their ways. yeah, was, if, if a you group went,
0: i I interviewed Abigail Martinez on this program. Oh, you did. okay. Yeah. So you know and, her story uh, it it is a very traumatic story. And she was counseled to butt out. Mm-hmm. She was reprimanded for mentioning God. That's it. And they, they talk
1: about that in the film.
0: Right, and they they told her that mentioning God was basically a violent act against her daughter. Awful, Um, I know. And yes, the daughter had been groomed in an art class. It it was an art after-school art program. Okay, I'm putting art in the air quotes. I'll do it for camera, but um, uh, they put they they called it art, but it really was actually strangely, it was a mother-daughter team. That really? then convinced the young girl to start taking testosterone, which of course changes everything and makes you um, uh, more. Uh, I don't want to say violent because it's not that she became violent, but testosterone changes the way you you perceive the world, raises your anger level, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of a thing, and uh, makes you more antagonistic. And so they they destroyed that family and they destroyed the daughter, and thereby they destroyed the mother. And yes. uh, so I, I highly recommend going and seeing gender transformation. You can go to gendertransformation.com. We should be more aware of what is going on. And we should be very, I hate to say this, but you should be very fearful regarding your own children because you do not know who is pouring into your children, especially if they have a smartphone, but also especially if any of their friends who with whom they, socialize have smartphones because you do not know what's on their friend's smartphone even if you think that you have control over what their phone is showing them Um, my daughter at the age of 16 took instagram off her phone and i asked her why and she said they figured out i was a young woman and they started hitting me up with all this basically Mm -hmm. pornography uh all of this uh you know lascivious material and i just decided i i just didn't want to see it anymore good Um, for her she's she's a very strong young woman who's been home educated right so i didn't yeah. allow the world to to get to her before i did mm-hmm. and so she 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 was imbued with this uh i would say strength of character to understand oh these are bad things this is not a good thing for me one of the things that i often told my children is there are certain things you cannot unsee so you have yeah. to protect what your eyes gaze upon you must protect that And if we don't teach children that, there are people out there who are very anxious to show children all kinds of things to mess them up, to mess with them.
1: Yes. And I think that's unfortunately one of the goals is to sort of take away the innocence of children and to desensitize them. And that makes them easier to become targeted as victims of this sort of grooming. Yes. More useful. Yes. Yes. Sadly. Um, Yeah. And um, another woman who's in the film um, is called her name is Erin Friday. She actually lives near me, so we spend a lot of time together. And she is she's become very prominent in this fight. She's been fighting all of these bills in California. I think she's been up in Sacramento every time they were making a decision for AB six six five. And we did testify together for that bill one of the days in March. Um, but she got her daughter out of the trans cult basically, and one of the main ways was of course taking the phone away. But she she talks about how. Part it was that her friends would bring her these burner phones like and there'd be this whole like almost like underground operation for her daughter to get these phones like she, she was well, like and her it was, daughter like, as, as I recall addict. in that
0: story her daughter complained like this is my whole social life you're you're killing me you're destroying yeah. me because I this is the only way that I can communicate with my friends wasn't her daughter hospitalized for a time I'm not sure if she was hospitalized but I know that CPS came to their house and I don't think so, I'm not sure. Anyway, it's a it's a very dangerous thing. I'm wondering as a therapist, can we talk about mass hysteria?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, yeah, I mean, this is obviously not something I've learned in school. I probably know as much about it as you and just through living it, <laughs> through it these last couple of years. Um, are you talking about like the mass formation thing?
0: Well, I mean, or- certainly we can talk about that. And in fact, I, I would say probably this is another iteration of mass formation psychosis. That's what um, I think
1: is going on. I see the parallels.
0: Yeah, I do. I I hadn't actually thought of that. I was just thinking because they're hysterical about it. But mm-hmm. in fact, they've all, you know, we've all been groomed. We've all we are all sc- school abused because we all went to school and so we know things that aren't true because we were taught those things by the school and they were lies, but we haven't quite identified them as being lies. And so a good portion of us, I think, will buy into this ideology because it comes from on high and we were taught trust the experts don't Mm -hmm. ask questions just go along to get along all of these really terrible ways of living your life um and i think that's in a sense that's the, the the bedrock of mass formation psychosis why don't you describe to us what mass formation psychosis is and how this would be a good example of that or something right
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think with COVID, what happened was, you know, they induced all of this fear in most of us. I say not everyone got fear, but most people, at least at some level, had fear of this big virus. Um, At the very least, fear of what was happening to their lives and society. And there was this huge media campaign and it came from every institution, right? And it just came from everywhere. And then all of the censorship I we were talking about earlier, so that you're only getting this one message. So I think there are so many people who are otherwise really smart and have critical thinking sort of just lost that ability because of the, of the fear that was driven into everyone and the, and the isolation, right how we were all de- isolated stay home stay home yes um even even like i didn't stay home per se but i certainly didn't see people the way i had before unfortunately i was had that disability so i was kind of already isolated i think that's partly why it didn't affect me the same way it affected you were other immune. people yeah like i had already <laughs> kind of lost everything so it, i didn't feel that same like Oh, my life just went to a halt, screeching halt. Because my life went to a screeching halt like three years
0: before. So you know what? It, it was me. interesting when it happened for us, and we went to lockdown. I was like, okay, I'm gonna use this time. This is gonna yeah. be awesome. Like, I had a completely different attitude, mainly because I believed two weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah, I
1: think a lot of us <laughs> did. Was like, oh, then, of course, over, Yay. over
0: time, as as they kept extending it, I just started saying, well screw that. I'm still going out. What are you talking about? I'm not afraid. But it's interesting because I just was hospitalized with influenza B. I got a really really bad case of the flu. And I also had low sodium, which really messes with you. I was very, very ill. And they insisted. I went to the ER and they just admitted me without even without question. It was it was really bad. And okay. I spent a couple nights in the hospital. And when I came out, I talked to my neighbor who who has bought in to the vaccines, like he's all in. He's a doctor yeah. and he's he doesn't read any of the science. He's just, he's bought in because he's establishment, right? And his first comment to me was, so you're gonna get the flu vaccine now? And I, to be perfectly upfront, I thought, oh, I was really sick. Maybe I should get the flu vaccine but then i had a friend who said wouldn't you not need it now that you're immune yeah well each year is apparently a different strain so maybe, i think that's a copycat but- i think that that is just the the story that they tell you because so many people still get the flu Yeah, they have to work, make up some opinion. story to sell you the vaccine and yeah. the, and and in fact i talked to another doctor who treated me in the hospital um, and she said, Oh, you should because, you know. And I said, Aren't I immune? She said, Yeah, but you don't know what the strain is gonna be next yeah. year. And I said, Well, how do they know what the strain is gonna be next year? Yeah, and they don't. Said,
1: that's the point. They don't know. <laughs> they never know. Like experts don't know stuff. That I mean, that has been honestly my entire right. platform. Experts right. don't know stuff.
0: And, right. don't and parents assume and they parents do parents often know better, but they are prevented from understanding that because they're told. That they're inept and how Mm -hmm. are they told they're inept we need school we need school and And that's like you have to have a certain degree
1: you have to have a certain oh you're not an expert in this i mean what's her name the supreme court justice i'm not a biologist i don't know what a woman is i mean (laughs) it's like that's i mean that that is the that's the antithesis of you know you you they're they're making it so that you do not think for yourself and of course that's a, a better way for them to control you if you don't think for yourself. Honestly, and I think that's I, I am not
0: a biologist and she's yeah. on the Supreme Court. Yeah, she it's didn't such know what a woman an was. of thought. Mm-hmm. It's it it's absolutely stunning. I think if we ever wake up from this mass formation psychosis culturally. I think that that is going to go down as one of the most incredible. That and the fact that there is cocaine in the White House, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, there is an illicit drug in the White House, and they're doing nothing. They're they're ab they're not pursuing. They they they're like, well, we it's can't a mystery. I don't know who it is. It, it's there's no way for us to know. <laughs> I mean, I think that they should fire everybody who had access to that corridor, including the president of the United States. If they can't figure it out,
1: yeah. everybody Don't is they have cameras? I mean,
0: yeah. And uh, I, I know, know who there were is. no cameras, or I think the cameras were the same make and model as the ones in Jeffrey Epstein's cell. Okay. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> anyway, it's a pleasure to speak to you, Pam, the truthful ther- therapist. Pam, the yes. truthful therapist, is the name of her substack. Yes. So you can follow her on Substack, where she writes truth and doesn't get censored. We love Substack, right? Mm-hmm. And then of just course, just put a new can... one
1: out today, actually, or last night.
0: Excellent. Mm-hmm. And you can follow her uh, elsewhere. Um, I'll post uh, some of the links in the description below. Any any parting thoughts for parents who may be um, battling the whole gender stuff with their kids or anything like that?
1: Well, what I mean, really, what my message is, and I think it, it's gender, but I think gender is like a symptom of like all of the things we were just talking about. That's why I don't, I didn't really feel like we needed to even focus on the gender because the symptom is, is that we are, we are just. Tr- abdicating is that the word to to experts and and we're not thinking for ourselves and if some just because something is said over and over again just because an authority says it it doesn't mean it's necessarily true i was just reading up on lobotomies and how they actually won a nobel prize for lobotomies and the experts said how wonderful it was the new york times celebrated it and obviously we know that it was a barbaric procedure and so they they're, they're comparing the gender stuff to kind of the modern day lobotomy. And you can really find a lot of examples of that. Well, yeah, well, the yes, exactly. Yeah, right? like, oh, it's harmless, right? Puberty blockers are reversible. It's very similar. So, okay. there's, so this
0: there's... is, so this it feeds in, sorry to interrupt, but this feeds sure. into my little theory that we personalize the failures. Yeah, it was those doctors, those were the bad doctors, but the institution gets a pass.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's it's human nature, I think. Quite frankly, I, I mean, I think right. that we're gonna see this. This is just today's version of it. I think we're gonna learn about it in the future. It's gonna come around, and then there's gonna be a new version of it. and Whenever time, I think, I think this is just how, unfortunately, how things are gonna go. I mean, this is this is my, I guess, black pill that I've learned is that this is human nature, and we're so. I think we we need to be aware that even if something is said as as the gospel is wonderful. Like the flu shot is harmless or it will help. And will it, will it not? I mean, it's just good to question things and to not just blindly trust experts or go along just because everyone else is doing it or it's sort of the socially accepted thing. Um, school is, I think, a great thing. Like you you know, you, you've you obviously questioned it and for good reasons. And I think a lot of people didn't do that for a long time. I think COVID woke some people up, but it's still not enough. So I yeah. uh, just, that general um idea to question experts. So I guess I, I guess you could say I'm an expert, but really my my message is I, I I give out what is sort of appropriate mental health care, but I'm always with with the theme of like think for yourself that you know if this doesn't feel right, if you feel pressured, if they're telling you that your kid's gonna kill themselves if you don't do this appropriate this certain training the certain uh course of treatment that's not appropriate that's blackmail and so when when they're doing things like that if you feel manipulated if things if you just have that feeling in your gut and you can't even name it um question that think about it a little more and don't go along with it because it's easy to get intimidated when you're especially when you're in a vulnerable place your family's in crisis and you you are worried about your child's well-being um but s- slow down if things don't feel right and that, that's what i'm out there giving that message and i do provide consultations for people just for they they can bounce ideas off of me and i can tell them if their therapist is being a quack job or if their therapist is being okay and or maybe how they could just guide the treatment
0: right pam the truthful therapist hey thank you so much for coming on the sam sorbo show and we'll see you here uh next time thanks for tuning in i'm sam sorbo